Back is, is a ministry that we, we want to be a respite for you. We want it to be a rest for you where you are weary. So are you weary tonight? Are you exhausted? The answer is likely, of course. You're probably exhausted by a poisonous news cycle. You're probably exhausted just by the state of reality this year. And that is why we need the gospel. Uh, Because we are weary and the gospel is not a program or good advice that gives you more to-dos. The gospel is first and foremost and and really at its core a, a good announcement, good news of who Jesus is and the rest that he came to offer us and give to us. So if you would, uh, let that bring our eyes to look at this passage, Mark 7, 1 through 8, and then 14 through 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciple asked him about this parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of God. This is an old reference. Seinfeld. It's a great episode where one of the characters, George Costanza, he desperately wants an in in his relationship with women. He wants to be in with them, to be impressive, to be approved of. And so what he focuses on intensely is the external, his appearance, mainly his head because he is bald. And so he gets this really fantastic toupee that gets stuck on his head and immediately it puffs him up and it makes him feel confident. And he's ready, you know, to hit the dating scene. And he also becomes a judgmental tyrant because Kramer sets him up with a date with a woman. And George comes back wearing his toupee and he's furious because the woman Kramer has set him up with is bald. And he's just raging against Kramer. How could you set me up with this woman? She's bald. And Elaine, another character, old reference, 
She looks at George. She basically says, are you kidding me? And he says, what? And she says, you're bald. And George says, I was bald. Making Elaine so angry that she grabs his head and she rips the toupee off of his forehead. She runs to the window and as George is screaming and like pathetically running after her, she throws it out into the New York street. His intense focus on the external as a way to be in. It leads him to become a judgmental tyrant because really he is just as out as this woman if what's on his head or another person's head determines whether they're in or out. But also, it it really, we don't get to see this date, but it makes him miss out on what could have been a meaningful relationship with this person. Our focus on being in, our intense focus on being in, often leads us to focus on the external, the outward, what is visible and can be managed. Liking a post or not liking a post based on whether it makes us in or out, whether it puts us on the right side or the wrong side, or not touching anything that might be seen as political with a 10-foot pole, not wanting to, to touch any of that, not because you think, I mean, there's more to life than politics, but because I don't want to be condemned and called out, to be seen and outed by one side of the political aisle or the other. Focusing so intensely on identifying ourselves with one movement or another movement. Not because we want to advocate and further, but because I want to know that I'm in. If this is the right movement, then I've got to visibly demonstrate I'm on the right side, whatever side that is. What is this intense focus on the external? What can be managed visibly? What does it do to us? It at least has the potential to make us, like George, into judgmental tyrants. And when we find that one of our friends holds a view that is opposite of ours, we see them as the opposition. I'm in and you're out. Or we look at someone who is on the opposite side of the aisle and we say, you don't have as much inness as I have. Maybe you do some of, of the right things, but honestly, you just don't do enough. So you are out and I am in. This inness is really what the Bible calls righteousness. It makes us judgmental tyrants, but it also pushes us, ironically, further away from what God wants from us. In our pursuit for righteousness, it pushes us further away from true righteousness but as I go into this, this sermon, I want to make two things clear. One is that if you think that this addresses one side of what we might call the political aisle more than the other, then I would say that's the exact opposite of what I'm saying. And I would encourage you to listen closely because this message is for me and for you and for all of us. But also, if, you, if you're wary because it sounds like maybe I'm going to preach a sermon that is saying, you know, it really doesn't matter what you do because God looks at the heart. I want to encourage you again, that's not what I'm saying, because the gospel calls us to loving action as a response to God's love and his grace and his mercy. What I'm getting at 
is, is the big question of the gospel, which is what puts us in with God? What puts us in with God? What does God want for us and from us? And I want to answer that question by looking at two big headlines that, that Jesus covers in this passage. One, the external, and two, the heart. The external and the heart. So first, let's look at the external. So I don't know if you've ever walked up a group of people and they're mysteriously laughing at something that makes no sense to you. It's like they're laughing about something and they can't stop laughing. And then when you just like have to ask, what are you laughing at? And even when they explain it, it still feels like you're a little bit on the outside looking in. Well, that, that's kind of what it's like to read this passage because it has to do with the inner, kind of like an inside joke, but the inner workings of Judaism in the first century. And I imagine that most of us, me included, aren't experts on that kind of thing. But we need to understand even just a little bit of it to to really get Jesus's punchline here. So let's look at verse two. In verse two, the religious leaders, they critically ask Jesus why his followers eat with defiled hands, that is, impure hands. They don't wash their hands before they eat. And that apparently defiles them or makes them impure. We see in verse three, I mean, this is the big issue. Jesus's followers, they do not follow the tradition of the elders, the tradition of the elders. And this was a set of laws and regulations that were outside of the Old Testament, outside of God's word. And these had built up over time and they had begun to be seen by the religious leaders as this what determines is what determines whether you are in as part of God's people or whether you are out. And it had to do with washing your hands, but not just that. We see that it's about washing cups and pots, and even furniture. These kinds of ritual or ceremonial actions, they determined whether you were in or whether you were out. And so the religious leaders, they go to Jesus and they are are critiquing him and basically saying, why are you letting your followers do this thing that just isn't done? And that makes them out and not in. I mean, the message is basically, do better, Jesus. I mean, when we look at this, I mean, this has to do with food and washing. And we think this is, I mean, this is weird. This is like having a religious view of, of food and how we treat it. That's pretty ancient and weird religious stuff. And I beg to differ. It reminds me of this bit by Jim Gaffigan where he's at late at night, like at 1130 p.m. He's in a McDonald's and he's wearing a hoodie and he's got a ski mask and he's got it pulled up as he's about to take a bite from a burger. And a friend walks in. He's like, Jim, is that you? And he looks at this person, and it's basically like he's been caught in some great moral scandal. (laughs) And he shouts, don't tell my wife, as he's about to eat this burger. Because eating at McDonald's, um, in, in some ways, can be seen as a crime against our bodies or a crime against life itself. So let's not be so quick to, to um, judge these people. But how does Jesus respond to this criticism? Look at verses 6 and 7, where he quotes at them from the prophet Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. And he says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And then Jesus in verse 8 says, what Isaiah said, that applies to you. 
You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. The tradition of elders, this thing that was you know, created by broken, fallen, sinful people. You're saying that you must do these things or you're out. And so your heart is far from God. Is Jesus being harsh? Is he being overly harsh with them? Because, I mean, maybe we can, can think, weren't there a lot of other rules in the Old Testament about washing and food? Maybe see Leviticus and check that out. So what is Jesus criticizing here? What is, and who is right and who is wrong? But here's the deal. The problem is not with the tradition itself, but it's the way that it's being used. They're standing in the place of God and determining this is what makes you in and righteous, or this is what makes you out and unrighteous. Their intense focus on the external has made them into judgmental tyrants. Saying, I know what makes you in and what makes you out. And ironically, again, it has pushed them further away from the God who welcomes us out of love mercy. And again, this might seem so foreign to us, but what's going on here is, is similar to what tends to happen with social movements and campaigns that go viral. And we think about the ice bucket challenge that went around a couple of years ago. I mean, the, the movement was actually very effective because it promoted the fight against ALS, this terrible disease. But what ended up happening is that there was such intense pressure to pour this ice water on yourself and film it and then encourage someone else to do it. And that became a mark or a badge, a boundary marker of whether you were in and cared or whether you were out and didn't care. But it was not only that, it was also, if you didn't do it, it became a marker of, I'm, I don't give in to social pressure. That's who I am. I'm not that kind of person. And whether you did it or not, it became this intense, this feeling that I know who is in or who is out based on this Tradition, this external thing. Well, in what way do human traditions and the external become our focus? I mean, they become our focus when we make likes and retweets my righteousness. That what defines me is, again, what I like and how I use my platform, which is, is so important in so many ways. I mean, to take your social media, media presence and to use it intentionally, use it carefully. But it can become not just about advocating for something that is valuable, but about saying, I am in. Look at how in I am. Or it can be about what we buy when we say that I, you know, I only buy from certain companies that, that I agree with or I only buy local or I only buy secondhand. And all those things can be good and are good. But it can be a way of saying I am in and all those who don't fit in this boundary line or do this boundary marker thing, you're out. But what is this focus on the external and these kinds of traditions? What does it do to us? Again, it has the potential of making us super religious, judgmental tyrants. Where the, the attitude of my heart can not only be if you do this thing, then you are out and there's no alternative. Again, it can be you don't do enough of this thing. You don't, you don't enough fit this in this category. And so I'm going to cast you out and separate myself from you. It can make us look at other people as either they fit the category of in or out. 
It's not that they're invited. They're either in or they're out. I mean, I, for, for my own part, I can look at people and, and when I see this kind of attitude of, of doing what the religious leaders do, I can become judgmental toward them. That's how many layers deep it goes. And I say they don't really get the gospel because they're doing these things. Not like me, and I, I get it. Not like them. What does this do to us? It moves us further away from the God who welcomes us purely out of his love and mercy. So that's the focus on the external. But secondly, let's look at the heart. The heart. So some of my favorite movies are the ones that have this big reveal near the end that explains the rest of the movie. Sixth Sense and Shutter Island are, are two of the main ones that come to mind. But what Jesus says in verse 15 is like that for all of the Old Testament food and washing laws. What he says in verse 15 is this. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And he says this, and and Jesus' followers, they don't understand, so Jesus has to explain it more in verses 18 and 19. Where he says, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. I mean, Jesus is making a pretty basic point that whatever you eat it goes into your stomach and it gets processed, processed and it leaves you. I mean, is Jesus using a bathroom joke? Kind of. <laughs> He's making his point very strongly. Is that, of course, that's not what is going to defile you or make you impure or put you on the out with God and his people. Instead, he says, it's what comes from within, from the heart. That's what has the potential to put you on the out. Because that's what God looks at. God looks at the heart. I mean, I, I, uh, I love uh, cleaning our house, but I don't love cleaning it well. <laughs> that's how I put it. Our house right now is basically covered with, I mean, about 99.99% toys all over the floor. Our son's Mr. Potato Heads. And when we have people over, what we'll, we'll tend to do is take all the toys in the middle part of the house that people are going to see, and we just push it all into our bedroom. So that's where I put all of the laundry, and that's where I put Robert's toys, and I put Robert. Just put them in there. <laughs> and when people come over, what they see is, oh, what a clean house. But it's a shameful secret, because it's really at the heart of the house, that's where you'll find the clutter. Like if you open that up, you would just melt. and be like, oh, so messy. Um, it's so easy to take one external visible thing and say, I'm going I'm to clean this up where the heart is cluttered and messy and needy, broken. Jesus isn't concerned with the external. He's concerned with the heart. Jesus isn't concerned with traditions because they don't address the heart. Jesus is concerned with commands because they do. And so Jesus in verses 21 and 22, he lists the evil things that God's commands, what God has said, what they address. It says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, foolishness. Jesus isn't concerned with traditions because they don't address these things. 
My focus on the external doesn't address evil thoughts or the selfishness and even hatred in my heart. It doesn't address my pride. But it's our relationship with God's commands. What God says, these are the things that reveal what's really going on in my heart. The question is not ultimately, do I listen to the right podcasts about certain social movements that I care about? But, and not even just, do I, is my life governed in actions toward the pursuit of justice? But the question is really, do I love justice? The question is not ultimately, do I talk about love and unity, but do I love my neighbor? Am I a peacemaker? Do I love kindness? I mean, the question is not ultimately, do I rail against abuse and bullying? But do I speak boldly and with gentleness? That is the question. And this is the question Jesus is concerned with because he is concerned with our hearts. I mean, but Jesus is pointing out here that we, we tend to want to focus on the externals because if I focus on the, the outside, it could, my inness can be something I could manage. But Jesus wants to put inness or righteousness in a category that can't be managed. Because our hearts are needy and my heart is not what it should be, just like the people I often see as the opposition. What Jesus is after is real change means heart change for me. Martin Luther King obviously dedicated his life in the pursuit of legislation that would bring about more freedom for black Americans. But he said famously that you can't legislate morality. As important as legislation is, you can't legislate morality because legislation doesn't address the human heart. All legislation can do on the social level is restrain evil. And a guy named Clarence Mingo, who spoke uh, in a, an event honoring MLK's legacy, he said this, racism is bound up in the human heart. If we are to honor the civil rights legacy, we must, must search our hearts. We've got to focus on the heart. Because that is where real, lasting, ultimate change will happen. And so this is what Jesus addresses. Because a focus on our hearts turns us from tyrants into agents of real change. Because Jesus wants to pour into our hearts his radical love that changes the world. Advocacy, speaking out, is so vital, so important. But there are severe limits on what that can change if it's not met with love. And love that seeks to persuade the opposition which means affirming what you can affirm in the, in the person who you oppose. Listening, seeking to understand, which really involves seeking relationship. To understand, to listen, and to seek to invite into what we see as good and right. The focus on our hearts turns us into agents of real change. But also the focus on our heart, it brings us further towards God because this is who God is. 
This is the way God views us and treats us. He does not treat us according to the external. He doesn't even treat us according to the nature of our hearts. He treats us according to the nature of his heart and his promise. That is the gospel good news. And so it moves us further toward God heart so that we begin to see people not in terms of in or out, but in terms of invited, invited toward the same Jesus who I need to change my heart. It brings us further towards the God who loves us and delights to bring change. Delights to make us more like him, filling us with this radical love that not only reaches across the aisle, but just blasts through that aisle. Because that is what I need and that is what you need and that is what the world needs. This is the God who came into the world to die for his enemies. This is the God who, rather than casting us out, came to bring us in so that we would never be cast out. This is the God who came in the person of Jesus to be raised from the dead to make us new. This is what I need. This is what you need. This is what the world needs.